0: You're listening to a message from Streams Church in Litchfield Park, Arizona. For more content, visit StreamsChurch.org. I like it. Well, I I have to start off and um, say that you as a church, um, you have been such a blessing to my family because God really used this transition and bringing this church to really um, bless us in so many ways. And I have the honor of spending a little bit more time with With Lloyd and and Jason and Alan and Josh and some of the key staff and the board and it has just been such a blessing. I'll I'll tell you we've been going to this church for four years and and we've had some ups and downs in our life and these are just great men and women of character and they've uh, just been able to bless us so much and so um, it is really such such an honor to be a part of of this family. So um, I just uh, want to say thank you. So go, go ahead and give him a hand. Well, today I was uh, going through some of the Old Testament and I came across this one word. And today I want to share that word with you. And my hope and my goal today is that when you leave this place, that you will have a whole new impression of this word. Because when I began to study and research out this word, it was the catalyst of changing all of Israel. It changed to to military strategies and government and democracy. It totally changed everything about God's land. And this word, I, I began to filter it through my own life. And I saw that God, when I began to ask this word, and I would, when I began to, to go after this word, that God really began to, to share in my life more faith, and more spiritual understanding. And so today, I'm going to share this word with you. Are you guys ready for it? All right. Now, here's the, here's the preface. You can't go tell in second service about this word because then you'll spoil it for everything. We are going to look at the word perhaps because in in first. Samuel, if you want to turn with me there, First Samuel chapter 9, we are going to discover the, the story of Saul. Because when Saul asked this question, perhaps, it changed his whole course of life. It changed his whole direction. And Saul was the first king of Israel. And it was because he asked the question of perhaps that his life turned upside down. And so before you leave today, I'm going to ask you to ask this question. So let's jump into the story. It'll be on your screen. Chapter 9. Kesh, which was Saul's dad, he was a rich, influential man from the tribe of Benjamin. He was the son of Abel, the grandson of Zeror, from the family of Bechleroth and the clan of Ewaif. His son his son Saul was the most handsome man in Israel, head and shoulders taller than anyone else in the land. So obviously this was written a long time ago because if this was written in, in current day times, I'm sure that Lloyd Baker would be referenced right here. <laughs> right? If Judy's here, she'd say amen to that. Head and, head and shoulders taller than anyone else. So one day, Kesh, his dad, his donkey strayed away, and he told Saul, his son, he said, take a servant with you and go and look for them. So Saul took one of the servants and traveled through all the hill country of Ephraim in the land of Shalisha and Shalem area, the entire land of Benjamin. But they could not find the donkeys anywhere. Finally, they entered the region of Zephor, and Saul said to his servant, "Let's go home. Forget about this. By now, my father will be more worried about us than the donkeys." But get this: his servant says, "I've just thought of something." Say, "I've just thought of something." I've just thought of something. There is a man of God who lives here in this town. He is held in high honor by all the people, because everything He says comes true. Let's go find Him. Perhaps, say perhaps. Perhaps He can tell us which way to go. Perhaps He can tell us which way to go. I don't know about you, but... Um, Just to share a little bit of my background and my story, I I feel like in some ways I can really relate to Saul because before I got involved with ministry and really doing a lot of stuff at the church, I was in the real estate business. And so we had a company that was uh, networked with a lot of new home builders. And so uh, customers would come to us and they'd say hey here's the type of home I'm looking for and we would tell them the builders that they should go see and it was a really fun business it was a great time to be in real estate i've had my license for about 15 years now and so i began to get involved in in investment real estate and just really get you know a lot of things going there would be people that say hey i want to invest in real estate and we all remember those great days when things were going and so we would form different partnerships and we'd help them go, and it was just really, really powerful. Um, all of a sudden, 2008 hit, right? And I learned the lesson that today's wealth can be gone tomorrow, right? The money that you have today can be gone like birds of a flat feather. And so, Here 2008 hit, and we had probably about three houses at the time and others with different partnerships, and I was doing everything I could to hold on to this, thinking it's going to turn around, it's going to turn around, and I put effort and strength and all this stuff into it, but the problem was, is not only was I losing on my investment side, but my income of what I did for a, a work was just totally shot because I was losing all the money that I normally would bring in, and then my investments were gone too. And so I was just losing every which way. And I felt like Saul, you know? I felt like, man, my, I'm just losing my, my donkeys here, right? I'm losing it everywhere I go. Like, I don't know where to go. I don't know if I should get a new career. I'm losing my houses one by one. Like, I'm doing everything I can to hold on to. And finally, I came to the realization that God was doing something in my life. And just like Saul, God was doing something in Saul's life. And so when his servant said, perhaps, we should go to a man of God. Perhaps God can show us the direction that we should go into. That's my challenge for you guys today. Because there might be some of you guys who who feel like, man, I've lost my donkeys. <laughs> Days have been better. In the past, you know, I I don't know. I don't have direction. I've been wandering around for days and I can't find these things. I'm I'm this close to just saying, forget about it. Let's go home. So the story continues in verse 7. It says, Saul replies to this and he says, but we don't have anything to offer him, Saul replied. Even our food is gone, and we don't have anything to give him. Well, the servant said, I have one small silver piece. At least we can offer it to him and see what happens. In those days, people wanted a message from God. They would say, let's go ask the seer for a prophet. Um, they used to be called seers. And um, so Saul says, fine, all right, let's try it. So they started out to the town where this man was. So here's their plan, right? I have in my hand, um, it's, a, it's a half dollar that was minted in 1920. And back then, they would actually mint coins with silver in it. As a matter of fact, this coin, um, it's, its value on the face is just worth 50 cents, but in the silver value, ninety percent of it silver, ten percent is copper. So, um, before after nineteen forty seven, they would mint, uh, the, mint these these coins with with silver. So, actually, the value of silver per ounce is right about twenty bucks. So, this coin is actually valued at about six or seven bucks. It's more valuable than fifty cents. So. Um, in the old days, they'd probably have a coin that looks like this. So here's the master plan, right? Here's what Saul was going. He says, I have no food. I've lost my donkeys. I don't know where to go. You're saying there's a man of God here, and we're going to try to bribe him with six bucks. Like, that sounds like a really great bulletproof plan, right? So they're like, what the heck? We'll give it a shot. And they asked, perhaps... So the story continues, verse 14, they entered in this town and they passed through the gates. Get this, Samuel was, was the prophet at that time. So he was just coming out towards the hill, um, towards, towards them to climb the hill. And Samuel, um, in verse 15, it says, the Lord told Samuel the previous day, about this time tomorrow, I'm going to send you a man from the land of Benjamin anoint him to be the leader of my people Israel. He will rescue them from the Philistines, for I have looked down on my people in mercy and have heard their cry. Little did Saul know when he just had that small coin, out of food, out of money, out of direction, that God was already working when he asked that question. See, God had told Samuel, hey, I'm going to send somebody who's going to lead my people. And so when Samuel noticed Saul, the Lord said to him, he says, this is the man I told you about. He will rule my people. Just then, Saul approached Samuel at the gateway and asked, can you tell me, please, where the seer's house is? So could you imagine this? This statement, this question really shows Saul's spiritual influence and and understanding because you see Saul was in that region. He lived within about a five mile radius of where Samuel the prophet lived. And Samuel was an amazing, amazing man of God. I mean, there's He's got two books in the Bible, like, right? First and second Samuel. I mean, you're something if you got two books. So he was probably the most influential spiritual leader since Moses. Yet Saul had no clue of who he is. I mean, he's going up to him and saying, Hey, do you know where I can find this seer? I mean, that'd be like, um, I imagine like a news reporter going up to the White House, right? And he bumps into a guy who says, "Hey, do you know when the president's going to speak?" And like he he bumps in, and he asks that question to the president. I mean, how how embarrassing would that be for Saul? But look at what Samuel's reply was. He says, "Verse nineteen. I am the seer." Samuel replied, "Going up the hill ahead of me." to the place of sacrifice, and we'll eat there together. So he invites them to dinner. In the morning, I'll tell you what you want to know, and I'll send you on the way. And oh, hey, by the way, those donkeys that were lost three days ago, for for they have been found now, and I am here to tell you that you and your family are the focus of all of Israel's hope. I mean, could you imagine? He just spews out all this stuff. He says, hey, let's go have dinner. Don't worry about the donkeys because they've already been found. And oh, hey, by the way, you and your family are going to be the hope for all of Israel. I mean, that must have just totally, totally struck Saul. And we see his, his reply. He says, Hold on, time out. I'm only from Benjamin, the smallest tribe in Israel. And my family is the least important of all the families of that tribe. Why are you talking like this to me? Why are you doing this to me? You see, Saul had a major issue with self-confidence. He didn't know who God had created him to be. Right. And I think we've all dealt with that, with the pressures and the cultures of of America and looking a certain way and dressing and achieving certain successes. We all feel like we all fall short. And so he he rebuttaled Samuel's thing. And so the story goes on. They have a great dinner and and Saul is actually put at the place of honor in this meal and he's he's given the choicest cut of meat and they just have a wonderful time and then in uh, chapter 10 verse 1 samuel takes a flask of olive oil and pours it over saul's head and he kisses saul in the cheek and he says i am doing this because the lord has anointed you to be the leader of his people israel When you leave me today, you will see two men besides Rachel's tomb in Ziza on the border of Benjamin. They will tell you about the donkeys that have been found, and your father is worried and asking for you. Have you seen my son? Then you will go get to the oak of Tabar. You will see three men coming towards you who are on their way to worship God at Bethel. One will be bringing three young goats. And the other will have three loaves of bread. The third will be carrying a skin of wine. They are to greet you and offer you the two loaves which you are to accept. Then furthermore, he keeps giving him more insight, more insight. When you arrive at Gibeah of God, where Garrisons of the Philistines is located, you will meet a band of prophets coming down from the altar of the hill. They will be playing a harp, a tambourine, a flute, and a lair and be prophesying. At that time, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you with power and you will prophesy with Him. You will be changed into a different person. Now get this, after these signs take place, you are to do whatever you think is best, for God will be with you. And Saul turned and started to leave and God changed his heart say God changed his heart and all of Samuel's signs were fulfilled that day you see in this story we don't see Saul rebutting what Samuel had spoken to him I mean, what amazing thing. I don't know that I've, I've met a spiritual leader who just goes on and on and on and unfolds my entire day and all of this takes place. But when Saul began to, to leave, he was accepting that word from Samuel. And because he went, God began to change his heart. All because he started with asking the question perhaps, Perhaps this man of God will show me. You see, originally Saul was going after the man to get his finances. To get what he was lost. He he had lost something financially in his life. And he was saying, hey, can you help me get back my donkeys? But we know that Saul was a very influential man because... In the first part of chapter 9, it goes on and on about his, his father and how he was wealthy and how he had servants. So there's no justification for him saying, you know what, I'm nothing. I'm of the lowest of the low of the low. Because God had made him something great. And so when Samuel's servant asked that question, perhaps, things began to happen. And when he began to believe and when he began to accept the place of honor, God really began to turn his life around. And not only that, he became the first king of Israel. And I find it interesting that it wasn't Saul who originally asked, well, maybe we should go find a man of God. It was his servant. Somebody maybe of lower class than him. And I find it interesting a lot of times in my life that people in my life will say, you know, I'm going through a hard time. And they'll, they'll say, hey, maybe you should come to church. Or maybe you should come to Bible study. Or you know what? I was reading in the Bible this. And a lot of times you're just like, oh gosh, I don't want to hear it. But it was interesting that, that God used that person. And a lot of you guys have chances to be that voice for somebody else. Maybe you're here that it's like, hey, somebody invited me to church or whatever. You shouldn't discount that because that changed Saul's life. And God had an awesome destiny and an awesome plan for his life. And God often uses opportunities of us in loss in difficult circumstances to bring us to a place where we need God and we need him to move in our lives and so you see when we're in confusion when we're in a place of darkness it's God that we should go to I'm seeing about 18 different predictions that Samuel told Saul what happened 18 things I mean this is this is an amazing event i 've never happened in that you know i 've never had that happen in my life but what 's interesting is Saul gets back home and he the scriptures don 't record a word of it like he he doesn 't mention it to anyone he doesn 't mention it to his father. he just kind of says oh let 's just go back to life as usual and I find it interesting because um, time has passed and now the people are saying we want a king we want to be like other nations out there and so samuel comes on scene and they all have this big meeting and all the tribes of israel are there and so even though that saul has been anointed by samuel to be the king now it's like a a public declaration of what's going to happen and so they all seek the lord and samuel's there in verse 20 it begins to tell the story. So Samuel called to the tribal leaders before the Lord. And the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. And when he brought each family of the tribe of Benjamin before the Lord, the family of the Maitreites was chosen. And finally, Saul's son Kish was chosen from among them. But when they looked for him, he had disappeared. So now it's a public forum. They go by tribe by tribe. Okay, it's this tribe, it's this family, and now Saul is elected to be the king of Israel. But Saul is nowhere to be found. So they asked the Lord, Where is he? And the Lord replied, He's hiding among the baggage. He's hiding behind the baggage. So they found him and brought him out, and he stood head and shoulders above everyone else, and Samuel said to the people, This is the man the Lord has chosen as your king. No one in Israel is his equal. And all the people shouted, Long live the king. You see, Samuel found Saul hiding in the baggage. And I feel like we know what this is like, right? There's certain baggage in our life. There's certain issues that we carry, you know, and, and all of a sudden we kind of get cozy in this, this, this little baggage area, right? Like we have some old bags and some new bags. Like we have some old issues in our life that we've been carrying around for years and years. I mean, this is, this is like vintage. Issues right? this is like vintage baggage right and i've i 've discovered now that i 'm at a certain age where they where they say it 's okay to be named vintage, and I now I fall right dead center into that category so so we have vintage issues, we have newer things, we have all this stuff, right, and so we begin to just kind of huddle in and make a little wall out of this this baggage in our life and We find it, we kind of get, you know, comfortable in this. And the fact is, is that's a scary word over there. Asking perhaps, like that could totally change my life. So I'm just going to be right here. I'll kind of pop up and I'll go to church here and there. And, you know, somebody asked me to, to greet and I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll pass out some bulletins and say hi to people. Like I'm comfortable there, but this is... comfort zone people you don't mess with this like don't ask me to host a small group i've seen some of you guys you guys are crazy i don't want you in my house you know i don't want you going through my business and asking me questions you know like i'm i'm comfortable here right and so we begin to to strap on this baggage and this luggage right and we take it to where we're going we take it to the office and we take it to work and we come home with it and we're carrying it and we we go we go to bed with it right and we sleep on it and we know that we sleep on it and we know that we're carrying it because at night we wake up in the middle of the night right and we we rehearse these conversations like oh man I I should have said this or when this person hurt me this way Ah, I wish I would have done this. That would have been so much greater, you know? And it's interesting that we all have things in our life that we're dealing with. I know my wife shared we were going through a difficult period. And every morning when she was doing her hair and the blow dryer was on, instantly she would think about this circumstance. And it would run through her mind over and over Every time that she was doing her hair, little things trickle it and trigger it. And for years she carried this. But you know what? I believe that God is up to something. I believe that God wants us free. I believe that we can be free from this baggage. And so there's different things in this baggage that that hold us down and there's different types of baggage and so some of these might be this is a good one this is a hard one for my life because there's people that hurt me and there's unforgiveness that i carry in these baggage these are pains and wounds of people that have done me wrong and the problem is is when i carry them it's bitterness that forms it's like a tar that settles in my life and the other person is long gone. I mean, they're, they're, they're not worried about it at all, but I'm thinking about it. I'm rehearsing it. I mean, this person could be long gone. He could be in the grave or she could be in the grave, but I'm still holding on to unforgiveness. Or, like in my life, I just could not stop thinking about the money that I lost or the debt that I'm experiencing. I'm just like, okay, God, if I could just get out of this debt. But that's not what God had in mind for my life. And some of us are carrying debt. How about this one? Addictions. Some of us have addictions that keep creeping up. And yeah, we might go out of our our area a little bit, but then these addictions just kind of fall us right back into place and we, we settle into our rut again. And then we have fear and worry worry that we're not good enough and michael shared you know the shame of of rejection in our lives that we experience and it all filters into baggage that we're not good enough or or that god's not strong enough or that it just doesn't seem to work for my life this is this is the big one for me can we just get real here can we get honest this is one that held me for a long, long time in my life. Abortion. You see, when I was in high school, I left high school. And my girlfriend, we broke up because I was moving out of state. And, and so she, she called me. And I'll never forget the day that I checked this message. And I knew from the sound of her voice that something was really wrong. And I knew that she was pregnant. And so I called her up and I says, hey... What do you want to do? And I, I, I remember saying, you know, I'm not ready to be a father. I'm a freshman in high school. My life is just starting. She was a senior in high school. And she says, I'm not ready to be a mom. And I was raised in a Christian church. I knew that abortion was wrong. I knew that it ended our life but I certainly didn't want to, to seek counsel from my family. I certainly didn't want to go to them because I knew that what their answer was, but I was caught in a dilemma. And so we ended up having this abortion and I was such a coward because I just, I just sent, sent her the money. And she had to go through this painful experience all by myself and I just tried to block it out and block it out. But you know what? It was a baggage in my life. It was destroying me because I didn't want to open up and let God's light shine on it. Because if God's light shined on it, then I'd have to tell others. And I'd be like, okay, God, you can deal with this. But there still was just that spirit of rejection on my life from it. And this is a big issue. I mean, almost 25% of our culture, one in every four have dealt with this struggle. And even Crisis Pregnancy Center, they have a whole um, counseling staff that's free of charge. It's confidential. And if you or a friend of yours needs help with something like this, there's information in the back. And I just say, you know what? This could be the time. Perhaps... August or July 22nd, this could be the day that God begins to shed light in our lives. You know, and and some of you may have experienced death of a different type. Maybe a a death of a family member. Maybe a death of, of, of a loss of a dream or a career. And we're all carrying this hurt and this baggage. But I think about I think about Saul in this situation. I think about what he was going through. Because the fact is, is that feels like a safe place. It feels comfortable, right? And we don't want to risk going too far out. Like men... (laughs) We don't want to risk going to men's retreat because it's a, it's a serious unknown. Like, I don't know where I'm going to sleep. I don't know how the bathrooms look. I'm going to have to get off of work. Like, it's just so much easier to be like, ah, maybe I'll go next year. But if God's stirring in your heart to go, then this is your chance to ask, perhaps something in my life is going to happen. Perhaps God's going to work in my life differently, just like he did with Saul. And perhaps when I take the step of faith to go, that God can begin to change my life. What I find so interesting is Saul was hiding in the baggage. And the people couldn't find him. But it was God that said, hey, go look in the baggage. Saul's... In the baggage. You see, God knows what you're hiding. God knows where you're hiding. He sees your pain and He sees your hurts and your problems. And honestly, God is a God of love and mercy and compassion so much that He treasures and longs for this because He longs to love you. And so for me, I wanted to block that and hide that from God. But instead, He was after it because He's after my heart and He wants to help me remove some of this stuff. And it wasn't until Saul had the courage to come out of this past identity and come out of the baggage of who he thought he was in order for God to make him... And proclaim him what he was going to be. You see, Saul had to come out of his baggage and go to a place where God was calling him to be the king of Israel. And the people cheered, Long live the king. You never know what's going to happen when you ask the question, Perhaps God wants to do more in my life. Perhaps God wants to heal me from this baggage. But you're like, Sean, this is great for you. You know, you're like super Christian and preaching and all this stuff. But, I mean, I messed up last week. You don't understand. I I messed up last night. Well, that's the thing about this. Is God is so good. that Look at what Lamentations says. This is so hard to swallow so much. But in Lamentations 3.23, it says, Though... The Lord's mercies are not consumed. Because of His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. God's faithfulness is so good. It's His faithfulness that's great. Not my power to resist sin. Not my power to deal and sort with my baggage. The fact is, we need God to help us with this. Hebrews says it. It's the sin that so easily entangles us that our our fruit would be hampered. So this sin of baggage and and carrying this weight, God says, hey, let me take it. My mercies are new every morning. Great is my faithfulness, He says. And in John 8.36, it says... So if the Son, Jesus, sets you free, then you are free indeed. We are called to be free indeed. We are called to be the kings and the queens, the priests, his children of God, free from worry, free from baggage, free from harm. And we have amazing people who God's gifted right here in this body that can help you sort through things. Counselors, that. I know jo- Joel Bassett has a great program to kind of walk you through some of these things and give you some tools to help help deal and sort through some of this stuff. You know what I find so encouraging is, is that Paul, he wrote, um, you know, he's pretty popular in the Bible. He wrote about half of, a little more than half of the New Testament and all these different letters. Even Paul Like superstar Christian dealt with some of this. As a matter of fact, we've just been looking through Philippians. And um, in Philippians 3, he says something that just really grabs me. He says, I focus all my attention and all my energies on this one thing. This one thing and I and I think I I pause and I'm like, I wonder what Paul would focus, all of his energies, all of his strength, what would be the one thing that would Paul would want to do the most? And what Paul is saying, he's saying, I focus all my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. It doesn't say that, that Paul was after making disciples or healing the sick, or I would think all of Paul's energies and focus would be on proclaiming the gospel of Christ. Like, that makes sense to me. But instead, it says that he focuses all of his attention on forgetting the baggage, on forgetting the past, because you can't hold on to the past. And go where God's calling you. Go where God's anointing you to be. And so I find that so encouraging that Paul even wrestled with this so hard. And I imagine that Satan came to Paul every single day and and tormented because it says in the Bible that, that Satan is the accuser. So he would go to Paul and say, you persecuted Christians. You've done horrible things. And Paul even says, I'm the the worst of the sinners. But you know what? God's grace is new every morning. God's faithfulness is new every morning. And, And what I find also encouraging is that Paul, we see that this didn't drop like... Paul didn't say, okay, perhaps, God, you can do something in my life. And then all of a sudden, all this baggage went away. And he didn't have to deal with any of the past or any of the consequences. No, that's not what happened in Paul's life. Otherwise, he wouldn't make that statement. That's not what happened in my life. But you know what God did? It was so beautiful. He began to use the baggage and the issues in my life And He crafted them so that I would be humble and that I would always need God in my life. Because that's where He wants us to be. He wants us to need Him. He wants us to to love Him, to fellowship with Him. And when things are going great, I sometimes forget about God. I sometimes put Him on the back burner and I just get caught up in the moment. But God desires a fresh relationship every single day. And so, in closing, there's some of you who feel like, man, I've, I've, lost, I've lost my donkey, I've lost my way, I've lost my, my direction, my light. Or you know what, you might be a Christian, you feel like, man, I keep slipping into this baggage, I keep slipping into this stuff in my life. Or some of you is like, you know what, this is good for you guys, but I'm brand new in this. Like, I don't even have a relationship with Christ. I have no spiritual understanding. And I don't even have any money. Well, that's that's exactly where Saul was when God anointed him king. Think about that. That wherever your finances is, wherever your spiritual understanding is, today God is saying... Perhaps, perhaps, let me have your heart. Help me, help me to understand this. Help me to pull you out of the baggage of the hurt. And so I want to, I want to pray for us. And if you want prayer, if you, maybe you don't know Jesus or maybe you're lost and you do want to know um, as Savior. We're going to have people on the corners here, and they'd love to pray for you. But if you can, just just bow your heads, and and let's just go ahead and close in prayer. Lord, you're such a sweet God, and you're so wonderful. And we thank you that your love is is never failing, and no matter what we've done in the past, no matter what our shame or no matter what our baggage is, that you love us. And God, we open up and we just have the courage to ask and to say, perhaps God, and we say, God, help us. Do a work in my life. I I don't want to retort with excuses anymore, but I'm open and I'm willing. So Lord, today, do something in my life. Do something in my family's life because you've anointed me for great things. In Jesus' name. This has been a presentation of Streams Church in Litchfield Park, Arizona. Visit streamschurch.org for service times, general information, and more.